Hello. Uh, hello. There. Wow. Wow. That's Feel that energy. That was a lot of you energy. Got, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's just roll right into it. Hello. Okay. Welcome hello. to the Cosmic Eye Show. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano. And on the line, I have Mr. Chris Sheridan. Chris is actually out in Ohio today visiting his mom. And uh, so he's on location out there. So uh, normally he's in L.A. and I'm here in Vegas. I am still here in Vegas, but he is in Ohio. So it's going well out there. It's going great. Um, indoors most of the time because it's pretty darn cold outside. I'm telling you, I am <laughs> feeling the same thing here. I was outside yesterday uh, very briefly, and uh, I regretted every minute of it. It's freezing. It's freezing <laughs> right. in Las Vegas, which is an odd thing to, to think. I mean, most people think of it, and, you know, it's normally 100 degrees all the time. But uh, in the winter, it actually gets pretty cold here. So here we are. So today... Uh, on the show, we are going to talk about the magician, uh, the tarot card, the magician, and kind of the archetypal uh, uh, symbolism of uh, the magician figure in general. So enjoy that. Uh, we will bring you some, um, some great information. So thank you, everyone, for joining us each week. And thanks to all of our uh, supporters out there. We appreciate it. Uh, you can check us out at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye if you want to support, or you can go to CosmicEye.org. Uh, and, and support us through there. Uh, Chris and I both have books. Uh, mine is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And Chris's is The Spirit in the Sky. So give those uh, a look through if you have not read or purchased those yet, please. Um, so the magician is an important figure, uh, important symbolic card. It is the first card in the tarot uh, after, the, after the Fool. We actually did... Um, we did a show on the full archetype and the full tarot card. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but you can look back in the list and you can see the uh, the full card. And we're going to probably go through uh, a lot of these cards as we as we go along. We're kind of mixing them up. We're not doing them, you know, each week or anything like that. But we are going in order. So we started with key zero, which is the full, and now we're going into key number one, uh, which is the magician or the magus in the Toth deck. It is called. I'm actually looking at that great card right now. That's Aleister Crowley's deck. We're going to look at uh, mostly at the uh, the AE weight. Uh, that's the um, the most common kind of tarot deck out there. Um, and we're going to look at the BOTA version, which is very similar to the weight deck. It's got some some of its own little little things, but that's uh, uh, that's the version of uh, the tarot that I like quite a bit. Paul Foster Case's tarot deck. Uh, BOTA.org. You can check out their information and, and get that deck. Actually, the neat thing about that deck, do you have one of those, by the way, one of those BOTA decks? No, I don't. I just have the the Ryder, the Crowley, and the um, Napal okay. deck. Yeah, the Ryder is the AE weight one that we were, we were talking about, or that I was talking about a minute ago. Okay. Um, so this BOTA deck is actually, um, it's you have to color it yourself. So it's black and white. And it's basically like a little, you know, tarot deck of, you know, coloring, coloring pictures. So one, one neat thing about that is that, you know, as you as you color it, you're really concentrating on that image. You're putting your, your own kind of touches to it. And there is an you know, there's colors to put on that are, you know, that are rec- by the book that you get with it, because they all have sort of symbolic properties and energies to them. And so you do want to kind of follow that guide. But um but it does give you sort of a, a different feel, 
than just looking at a card. You know, you're actually putting something yourself into it and you really have to concentrate down on it. It does, it does bring your, your tarot game to, to the next level. So I do highly recommend that. As I said, you can get those, uh, you can get those on Amazon. If you look up B O T A tarot, T A R O deck, um, those are available there. Uh, and at the BOTA.org website, that's a uh, builders of the Aditum, which is the group that Paul Foster case started, which is in Los Angeles. Um, Paul Foster case actually was one of Manly Hall's good friends. And, um, when, when Chris and I were working at PRS together, I there's in the library, there's actually some, uh, uh, some of Paul Foster cases, very early work. It's typed out and he had sent it over to Manly Hall, uh, to look at it for some editing. Isn't that what it was? Those, those remember those documents that I found. Yeah. And he also wrote a book, uh, I think it was called Oracle of the Tarot, that's, um, which focused on the Nap Hall. Oh, that's right. Deck. Yeah. That, and that's, I think it was 30 or 31, and the deck came out in 20, 1929. Yeah. So it uh, kind of immediately followed that That's right. And that's, uh, that's a public domain book that you can find online very, very easily. It's out there floating around. Um, so that, that's a neat one, especially if you like that Nap Hall deck, and that's an excellent deck. It's a little different. Uh, the attributions in it, there's a few changes. Um, Manly Hall uh, starts his deck at, at the number one, and he starts that on um, on the Fool. So then it kind of changes the, the attributions of the letters. Um, but it's, you know, there's a lot of disagreement as to what attributions go with which card. And, of course, you know, some of the things we say today about the magician you may or may not agree with. That's the beauty of the tarot cards, though is that there's multiple meanings because these again are symbols. We talked a little bit about this in, in I think our last show, when we were talking about the difference between the sign and the symbol and these, um, the symbols on these cards are, are not signs. They don't have just one meaning that you're going to figure out or memorize. And then you understand the depth of it. These are symbols. So they're, op- they, you know, the symbol is supposed to open you up to the mystery behind the, the image itself. That's, that's the real goal of a symbol. You know, so it has multiple meanings and it'll have multiple meanings throughout your life as you as you continue to work with those symbols. So, you know, that's the one of the cool things about these cards is that as time goes on, uh, you will work with them and you will find that you go deeper and deeper into them and get more and more and different meanings out of them, you know, because they mean what they they mean to you at that specific time in your life. And yes, you can, you know, you can study books and so on. But I mean, the greatest really um, tool of learning about tarot and learning about yourself is to use these cards and to really contemplate on these cards or meditate on these cards and, 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 and kind of uh, work with the symbols uh, themselves and, and how they, they operate within you. So, all right. So let's move into speaking a little bit about this magician card. Um, Actually, I want to ask you, so the first, uh, what's the first uh, tarot deck that you ever worked with? I know you, you worked with tarot when you were, uh, when you were still in the band and stuff when you were younger, right? Yeah, in my 20s, in the 80s, <laughs> the 1980s. Um, <laughs> yeah, on. I started using, uh, yeah. You just said the 1980s. <laughs> as to, so, so yes. as to not, yeah. like, well, just, just to, to clarify, clarify that you were not <laughs> born in the 1880s. Is that correct? Okay, thank yes, you for doing yes. that. I'm, <laughs> you know, okay, okay, boomer. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
Yeah, it was the, the Rider Waite deck. It was my first one. I still have that, that same deck. And um, the fun I had with it was you know, on yeah. tour, being a different city, a uh, different state, uh, places I had never been before, people I had never met before. And say after the bar closes and, you know, here it is three in the morning and a bunch of people are over at the hotel room for a party, extended after yeah. party. Uh, when I was really into this, I would do uh, people and readings for people. And I got to the point where pretty consistently somebody would like go, hey, how'd you know that? Or, oh, it's exactly what I was thinking. Or, you know, it, it seemed to yeah. resonate yeah, or I yeah. seemed to ha have a knack for it or something like that or developed one or. Who knows what happens at three in the morning? Anyway, <laughs> especially, especially you know, the bars are closed, the and you know, especially maybe in the eighties, three a.m. Yeah. in the eighties was a special time for all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh man, yeah, except, but that's a whole nother podcast. So, it, it, well, that may be a whole nother. Well, you're yeah, also uh, you're also very good at uh, doing I Ching readings, and you've done many of those I Ching readings for me in the in the past, and I appreciate that. So. What's interesting, speaking of I Ching, is that uh, in uh, the uh, obviously uh, Alistair Crowley was very into the I Ching as well, and he incorporates some of the symbolism into the Toth deck. So there's some some Taoist and Chinese uh, I Ching symbolism in there as well, which is why that's such a cool deck. It's one that really uh, the Toth deck that he he did with um, I forgot what her name was, Frida Harris, I think Lady Frida Harris, I believe was her name that did the artwork. She did most yeah. of the artwork. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, beautiful images. They're very twenties uh, kind of. Uh, I don't even know how you describe deco. It's a deco. It's style. almost it's art, art deco. deco style, yeah, isn't it? yeah. It's kind of early. It's really deco. beautiful. I mean, just the lines and everything, and the yeah. geometry in it. It's just they're just they're incredible cards. Um, they're a and when I use that deck, I uh, just no, no, interrupt. <laughs> I um, the pictures are so yep. striking um, that I never really got too far into the mm -hmm. booklet mm -hmm. that comes with the deck and try to understand, well, this yeah. means that and this means everything else. I had a good background with the right away. It's a, it's yeah. a great entry. It, well, it's a great entry deck that you can use throughout your uh, mm -hmm. practice. Um, but I found that the, the Crowley deck, um, it was just, I got, there was so much information coming from the, the images, images itself yeah. that I just, uh, I just kind of went with whatever the picture you know, conjured up yep. to me in the moment. Uh, whereas I studied a little more uh, in detail the uh, symbolism of the, the Rider White. That's interesting. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the really, really good and fresh interpretations come out of just what you were saying, where, you know, you may have a little bit of background in it, but you're just kind of like reacting to the symbolism on a gut level uh, that you see. And that's where it's like, if you pick a deck that really resonates with you, it's going to be, um, it's going to be so much easier to tap into that, that part of yourself. Uh, because, you know, one of the things about, you know, this card, just to kind of start getting into it, uh, this card is a card of attention. It's a card of concentration. Uh, and you can see, it's like, I'll, I'll just kind of describe the, the basic version of it. So, you know, they're all a little bit different, but the, the most common version of it is a magician. He's a male figure and he's standing in a sort of an arbor. And there's, there's some, some roses over his head. He's underneath sort of a bower of roses. There's a, there's a horizontal eight or a lemnus gate, it's called. That's that infinity symbol of which you have on your wrist, if I'm not mistaken. Is it lemnus gate? Is that how you pronounce that? Or is it lemnus gate? Like I really, I, I saw it, I, I looked it up because I've heard it. People say lemnus gate, like they're saying it like it's Italian or something. But I think it's from lemnus gatus, which is, uh, which actually is a, 
um, a Latin words. But anyway, I think English we say ad limnus gate. It's a, it's a basically a horizontal uh, eight. It's an eight laying on its side, and it's an inf- you know more commonly known as an infinity symbol. That's above uh, the magician's head. He has black hair. He's wearing a sort of a white uh, headband. Uh, sort of over the top of his third eye, basically. It's at that level. The right hand is raised up, and he has a double-sided white wand. Uh, And then he's pointing down with his left finger, his left index finger pointing down more or less to the ground. Uh, And his gesture is sort of indicating like a concentration. And then there's a table, and the table has a a pentacle, a wand, a cup, and a sword on top of it. Uh, and most most versions of the card will have those four things. Those those are, of course sim- are are symbols of earth, air, fire, and water. Um, they're also, and they are the numbered cards. They are, are the suits, suits I guess, that of the correct. numbered cards. Exactly, they're suits of the numbered cards of the small cards, which are the uh, minor arcana. Um, exactly. Uh, so it kind of is setting up really the, I mean, the, these beginning cards well, the beautiful thing about the tarot is like, it's, it's engineered in a, in a genius way and it lays itself out. I mean, it's a journey of the soul. Essentially, you could look at it that as one way. Uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Heller, Dr. Stephen Heller, who used to uh, lecture quite prominently at the, uh, at the PRS and is the head of the, the Bishop of the Gnostic church in Los Angeles, a wonderful old gentleman, a Hungarian. Uh, he, he talks about the, the, the tarot as being a, a, a journey, the journey of the fool. So the, the fool we talked about before is, is card number zero, and it doesn't have a place in the, in the lay, basically the layout of the deck. It's kind of like a wild card. The fool can go anywhere. So he sits on the top, and then there's three rows of sem- seven cards underneath him. That's one way of laying out the deck. Um, and that's a really interesting way of doing it because essentially it's like the fool is taking this journey or the super consciousness, in other words, is taking this journey into humanity and through these different stages of consciousness, but is ultimately coming back to itself is the idea in a circular pattern. And that's what that infinity symbol above the, above the magician's head is sort of intimating, but it's also intimating that there's a higher force behind things. And he's, he's pointing up and, you know, gets at the hermetic axiom as well as, as below, so above and as above, so below uh, that there's correspondences between the macrocosm and the microcosm and so on. Uh, So there's a lot, there's a lot in this card, but so that's the basic kind of layout below, actually below him, he's standing. So he's standing in a white robe, there's red on the outside of it. You know, there's an inside white robe. Um, and then he has a snake around his, around his uh, middle portion. It's biting its own tail. The snake biting its own tail. You might you know, recognize that as the Ouroboros, a uh, symbol of eternity and wisdom. Um, and then below him, he's, in this, he's sort of standing behind this thicket of, of lilies and roses. Uh, lilies and roses. Um, so getting, sort of getting back to, uh, the, the, I'm going to circle back because so we were talking a little bit about picking decks that you like, um, and picking images that resonate with you. What's interesting about this card is the, the red roses above. So there's five, the five red roses above that's the senses. Um, it's representative of the senses, but it's also representative of, of desire. So it's kind of pointing out that in order to be able to focus, in order to be able to really concentrate with, with sort of an effortlessness, you know, we need to work with things that we desire. So it's picking sort of the right things. It's picking the right, right things to focus on, uh, which, you know, it's, it's a good, uh, for example, a good uh, maxim in, in meditation is to, you know, pick a, pick a mantra or pick a, 
uh, an image or a mandala that you that you really you know that resonates with you, so that you can focus on it easily, uh, and it help it really does help to to build that concentration. That's one of the intimations of of that of that symbolism up there. Um, so before you know we start breaking down down all that stuff, let's uh, let's talk to you a little bit about um, the magician archetype in general. So it's my understanding, and please jump in in a second here. Um, that, you know, the magician archetype is a sort of an initiatory figure. Uh, it could be a, a figure, like a sort of wise, a wise figure almost, or, but, but in a way that's uh, more like Hermes or Mercury, more of a, a sort of a, a benevolent trickster figure in a way. Uh, that's another association with this card is Mercury or Hermes or Toth, that there are these wise men, but there's also like a little bit of the trickster in them. And that's why he's a, a magician in the, uh, uh, Marseille, Marseille deck, uh, Marseille deck, excuse me. Um, you see uh, the magician, this is an older deck from uh, the 18th century, late uh, the mid 1700s, I think, uh, from France, you know, mm. that one. So the, the, it, well, I do. And that's, um, really, um, kind of a foundational yeah. inspiration, I decks. guess you could call it yeah. for the nap hall yeah, for deck. sure. Um, Which in the, in that nap hall deck, he's called, uh, uh, Le Batelour. Le Batelour, which is the juggler. The juggler. Yeah. So in in that in that deck and in that uh, uh, Marseille deck, he's he's more of a, a sort of a trickster figure, and you see that coming through. And they, you know, they, it's interesting how you know in these more sort of Victorian style decks, they've made him kind of a a more sort of steadfast and kind of like you know pious figure in a sense, and they've sort of like taken out the symbolism of the trickster, but there's a bit of the trickster at the bottom of, of Hermes and Toth and, and Mercury, you know? So that's, that's something that's interesting. So speaking, speaking archetypally. So oftentimes wisdom will sort of slide in through these strange, strange ways or through these weird coincidences or through, through something that, you know, is ridiculous or odd or strange, you know, that might find its way into your life. Uh, and that's an interesting thing. So you want to talk more about the magician as a, as an archetypal figure, maybe with movies or whatever that comes to mind. I mean, just in, in general. Well, you can think of Merlin uh, being a, a mentor, uh, somebody who knows some secrets. Talk about uh, hermeticism or Hermes, so something hermetically sealed. Some of this knowledge is invisible. And in a modern sense, you could almost look at a magician as like a scientist, somebody who's dealing with these forces of nature, and it seems like it could be trickery mm. or witchcraft or mm. something. Um, maybe something a scientist would do every day of the week now might be, wow, they're incredible a um, hundred years ago or something. So it's uncovering and using these forces of nature. And it's very in the present and it's very active that you're, you're the one doing the thing. Uh, there are, um, you know, there's that element of knowledge that you have the knowledge with which to use these elements, these implements, these mm -hmm. tools of the trade. And, uh, of course the mentor, um, capacity, um, uh, but knowing some secrets and, and kind of knowing the secrets of nature and being to, uh, being able to, uh, work, yeah, with them work with them and see exactly. beyond the veil of, of maybe the surface uh, to get to some of the elemental or, you know, essences behind, you know, gravity or, you know, physics or, you know, fire and all these 
um, yeah. forces uh, that are, are dealt with. And uh, there's, there's a, Usually, like you're talking about the roses, you know, referring to uh, this desire or, of course, rose, R-O-S-E is an anagram for eros, where we get, uh, you know, erotic and love, uh, that type of love uh, from. And uh, so there's a purpose and there is uh, there's a power. So, you know, Merlin, very powerful. Speaking of that, Eros, by the um, way, so, so Eros was the, uh, the son of, uh, of Venus, of, uh, of Aphrodite, Venus. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, and the rose is also uh, sacred to Venus as well. So, yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, so there's a, um, there's a powerful nature, uh, to the magician. And a lot of times I've seen in tarot, um, descriptions of the magician, uh, sometimes that's in some way represents either the tarot mm-hmm. reader or the querent, the person asking the question. In that sense, they are in a way the magician because we're, you know, going to use these tarot cards to uh, come up with some answer to a question or a, uh, a guidance, you know, for an issue or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it's it's really kind of at that point of power, and it reminds us that maybe in our own natures that we have. We're maybe more powerful than we realize. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that really in a good mm-hmm. sense. Uh, so in a sense, we are all the magician if we're going to do a tarot spread or or just, you know, work with what's in our lives, the people and uh, places we go and the things we do. Um, we are our own magicians. We need to take everything, you know, with stuff in the kitchen or something with a family member. Uh, and you, you want to make something better. You want to make something stronger. You want to make something new or fresh or interesting um and that's uh that's a a magic power that we all have when we understand better our true natures and how we can use our minds as well as our hands and feet um to do things in this world yeah it's a good point good point very very nice uh nicely put um you know one of the things too that's interesting about this like you're saying you know that we are the magician that is something uh, that's a big one of the big messages of this card uh, in general, and it's you know it's really showing you how how to be able to operate and how to manifest things and how to be able to to live uh, a life you know how to live your life. Um, and one of the one of the attributions of this card that goes along with um, the sort of Hebrew letter that it's uh, attached to, at least in uh, in the the BOTA version. And the, this is true of most of the Western uh, mystery traditions. They do follow pretty closely to this, this, these attributions. So the fool is attributed to the letter Aleph, which is equivalent to A in English. Uh, the magician is uh, Bet, which is uh, more or less B. Um, and B is, is known as a double letter. It has two pronunciations in Hebrew. So it has an attribution of, of, of what's known as life and death. Uh, and also it's attributed to what's called the transparent intelligence. So transparent intelligence in essence is, is, is this idea that there's, you know, you think of transparency, it's light going through something. So if you notice the magician is pointing upwards with that wand, you know, he's holding it up to, to the heights and it's kind of indicating that there's a higher source that's flowing down through, through that magician. And that's, you know, in, indicative of that higher source that's within ourselves flowing, you know, into and through us. Uh, that we're dependent on, um, you know, and that's where we're drawing the source of our power. It doesn't come, it is within us, 
but you know, it doesn't come from us, you know, we're not creating it. And we've talked about that a lot um, on the show in terms of, you know, sort of the material idea that, Oh, the body is creating the, you know, the energies that exist within it and so on. And that is one way of looking at it, but I, I prefer to, and I think you do as well to look at the body as sort of a receptacle for the soul, for the consciousness, for the energy, or in other words, like a sort of, you know, a temporary holding pattern for that, you know, big consciousness that's, you know, that's within us, the sort of eternal consciousness um, that, you know, that does live on after, after the mortal body passes away. So that's an indication that, you know, there's a sort of, you know, in this card that there's, there's something, something working through us and that if we can concentrate that energy, you know, we can manifest the things we want. We can, we can create a life that we want and so forth, you know, not just to bring it into sort of a materialistic sort of thing, but, you know, help healings and, you know, bring joy and positivity and love and, and help into the world and, and so on. And all that is being sort of manifested, manifested through, through one. And then he's pointing and he's pointing both to the ground, which I think is, is saying, you know, we're bringing that sort of energy down into this material world in a way through ourselves. Uh, but also he's pointing at that table, that table of attention that's in front of him. Uh, and it holds those four, those four implements. And, you know, most of us know, obviously that they, they stand for earth, air, fire, and water, but also the wand is, is attributed to will. The cup is, is, is imagination. Uh, in essence, the, um, uh, the sword is the sword is a sort of a thinking capacity or a uh, or action thinking slash action and then the pentacle is the actual physical manifestation of things. That's one way of looking at it. So you you would look at those that sort of four steps and sort of how you know and looking at how the world manifests and how we manifest things in the world. Those of course uh, also um, are analogous to the four worlds in Kabbalah. There's four, four levels of creation in Kabbalah. Uh, so, so all of this stuff comes together. There's so much, so much symbolism in these cards. It's amazing. And this, you know, is just, just one of them, obviously, one of 78. So uh, another meaning, as I said, of this is, is the letter Bet. Bet is house. Uh, it's another, so, so all of these, in the ancient Hebrew, all these, uh, all these letters have a sort of hieroglyphic meaning as along, along with the sound quality to them. And then there's a number associated with it as well. Uh, so this, uh, this letter bet is associated with a house. That's another indication that like that we're, we're looking at, you know, that we as the magician are sort of a house of, of God, you know, a house of the spirit, you know, and they talk about that, that uh, house made without hands, eternal in the heavens, that's in the Bible. And that's this sort of... Um, you know, this eternal consciousness that, 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 you know, is temporarily housed in this body. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of interesting symbolism in that, in that way as well. Um, so communication, reason, intellect, mental functions, awareness, skill, words, speaking, writing, articulation, magic, etc., all attributed to, to Mercury and Hermes uh, and Toth who are, who are associated with this particular card. Um, so those are, those are interesting things. Number, this is card number one, key number one in the tarot deck after the fool. So it's the first sort of, uh, point of focus really, whereas the, the, the fool represents a sort of super consciousness. It represents, you know, kind of undifferentiated consciousness. This represents self-consciousness. 
which is another reason why it's attributed to focus or concentration. It's the sort of ego, egoic sort of way of looking at things, the I am, I uh, sort of mentality, you know, our, our feeling of individuality that we get um, and so forth. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about, about anything that's on, uh, that you're thinking of right now? Well, just continuing with what, uh, what you've already mentioned, the, um, the table mm -hmm. itself, four-legged, uh, four sides to the table, and you know the number four, meaning uh, material existence, yeah. manifestation. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that symbol gets um, played again. And uh, as maybe an aside or not, the, uh, the four implements, the four tools uh, on the table uh, relate to like our, an everyday playing card deck where uh, the pentacle would be the diamond, uh, the cup would be the heart, the wand would be the club, and the sword would be the spade. And it's one way the tarot symbolism was able to kind of survive yeah in a kind of innocuous way exactly. and then you have playing cards they don't relate 100 percent, but it's but there's you know definitely a a, a connection yeah, for there. sure um and and they're all there all the tools are there it's laid out on the table and um one thing that you know, really gets me because of the just the way the image and this is kind of the same and almost no matter what deck it it, it really is consistent you know the pointing uh, holding mm -hmm. the wand up to the sky and then the pointing down to the yeah. ground. And it's also a reminder that the magician, uh, that is us, uh, we stand in the middle ground, or twixt heaven and hell, as William Blake mm -hmm. might say, uh, that, you know, we have the heaven above and the earth below. Yeah. And, and what lies in it? So this is like the master of two worlds. Yeah. You know, the above spirit, maybe invisible and the lower material, visible, tangible world. And when we live in both, we are a spirit and a matter <laughs> a type being. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the infinity symbol over the head uh, in the, it's just kind of floating, free floating in space uh, in the, uh, the rider weight deck. In the Toth deck, it's, uh, it's kind of an intertwined snake Bubba says that makes that figure, you know, moving into the, the caduceus. Uh, and in the uh, Nap Hall deck, uh, it's a hat. He's wearing a hat that the brim of the hat, if you kind of just look at it and half squint your eye, you go, oh yeah. my gosh, that's, it's actually making that shape. So it's, it's there. And with that infinity symbol, you know, or the eight, the figure eight, uh, it's the point in between where they crisscross mm -hmm. <laughs> over each other. That's the point of focus. That's in the center of the head of this magician. And that's where he and likewise we stand in between these two worlds, the heaven, the earth, the spirit, the yeah. matter. Uh, and that's the point of contact. And it's also the smallest point because you have this big kind of bulbous, mm -hmm. you know, rounded yeah, part yeah. Of, on each side. And when they, it comes together and it also crisscrosses it. It moves into the other side and that's, and then it moves back yeah. again. To, so it's this interplay. You can't just, it's not a static thing. It's a, it's a very moving, it is a figure eight, like a skater. Uh, you're really kind of drawing this constantly that this energy flow is moving between these two worlds. And that's where uh, the magician uh, has the focus of power because uh, you're drawing from both. 
uh, and all this uh, flower symbolism, you know, that's very earthy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, stuff from the ground. It's, it's growing and it's alive and it's um, brought into, uh, brought into matter. Yeah, exactly. Well, our self-consciousness, you know, and our sort of ego consciousness is very connected to the body and day-to-day existence. And it's what, you know, allows us obviously to navigate through, through the world. And I, I like, I like that, that point that you're making. I think, you know, if we see the earth maybe or the you know the ego consciousness or self-consciousness that that this magician represents as being that point of contact between like the higher and the lower in essence i mean if you want to look at it psychologically maybe between you know super consciousness and the self with a capital s up there you know just for lack of a better word up there and then down below us the unconsciousness or the underworld uh down there and then us kind of in between and that that self-conscious um state of mind that ego state of mind sort of the mediator between those two things um and the you know and the the sort of um conduit uh between those two to those two different states of mind as well so i i love that uh that description you gave that that small point between that you know between those two two loops and that in that eight on its side and that being the self-conscious but then it's connected and it's between and balanced between those two things you know infinitely and you know that's where that's where our own self-conscious work our own ego sort of work we have to be directed by desire to to do things you know sometimes in the you know in the east it's you know we're thought of we think of uh the idea of you know kind of eradicating desire things like that in, in yoga philosophy and so on um but even they say you know you have you can eradicate desire but you've still got to have a desire for uh, to be able to do, to do that work, you have to be attracted to the work, to do the yoga, to do the meditation. Um, you've got to have a drive or a desire for liberation to achieve it. So it's paradoxical as well. You know, you have to... And that word uh, desire, at least in a Buddhist context, sometimes people have trouble early on when studying Buddhism that, oh, desire mm-hmm. is the cause of all the ills and yeah. suffering. Uh, and, you know, the way out of suffering is to remove this mm-hmm. desire it's um, depending on the translation and how you want to look at it. It's really the clinging. It's the attachment yeah, to grasping. the desire. You can have a desire, but yeah, the grasping, yeah. but, but it's with an open hand. Yeah. Well, that not, not a clenched exactly. fist or something trying to grip something. It's you could have a, a desire, but it has to be like a loose garment. Yeah. It has to uh, allow itself to be what it is no exactly and not be too attached if you know even if you if you have something it's holding on to it with mm-hmm. your life or if you don't have something it's reaching and grasping trying to get yeah, it des- desperately that's where the trouble grab at something or grasp at something or hang on to something that is is impossible to to hold on to and i think you know, people do get the wrong idea they think buddhism is so pessimistic because it's you know it's saying well you can't have any desires and you you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And it's like negating all these things. But the, what it's talking about is the extremes of those things, you know, and yes, some monks do, you know, give up all their possessions and, you know, live an ascetic life and so on. But that's not, you know, the, the, the average lay person doesn't understand it as that. And, you know, it's the symbolic idea of grasping and desire as a sort of a, as a drive that makes one, you know, crazy in essence, because you're chasing after things that, you know, you can't hold on to. And that's the sort of idea that all this is change and all this is an infinite thing. And I think that's what that, that infinity, that uh, lemniscate symbol is getting at too, that there's this, 
you know, there's a sort of infinite cycle of, of, of motion and change as well in everything that we do. Um, so getting back a little bit to this concentration though, you know, one of the ways that we can, we can really, uh, you know, live a, a live a more comfortable life and live a, a sort of more peaceful life is to be able to, uh, to, to build this concentration. And this card is a, is a good way to do that, to use this card and actually sort of contemplate and, you know, look at this card on a daily basis and sort of uh, use it for a med- meditation purpose. And it opens up these things within ourselves. It helps us to concentrate. You know, that's the, that's the nature of these symbols. They affect us on a level um, below, below consciousness. They get in, you know, the unconscious mind is a symbol driven uh, sort of entity. And, uh, you know, it works in symbols, it teaches in symbols and in symbols and dreams and in visions and in, you know, in artwork and so on. Uh, so the, you know, the, one of the ways to speak to it, one of the more effective ways to speak to it is through symbols. So we, you know, we use mandalas or different religious symbols or spiritual symbols or, you know, tarot tarot cards or artwork or so on to, you know, to affect different parts of the mind and awaken different sort of uh, latent capacities that might be within us. You know, something that that's sort of asleep that needs to be woken up. You know, we all have the ability to concentrate naturally and to focus on things and we can do it. You know, I talk about that in, in my book and, you know, we've talked about that before, you know, because you can worry, you know, you can worry. You can obviously focus on things. You can obsess on things. You know, we've all done it. And it seems quite effortless when you're focused on something that, you know, you're, you're, you're upset about to keep thinking about it over and over and over again. What happens is, though, we've got to train ourselves a little bit away from we've got to train away from that so that we can do that constructively. And, and this card is kind of a, a tool to be able to do that. You know, and that's what it's saying about desire. So you've got to keep your mind on the things that you desire and the things that you want in your life to unfold and off of those things that you don't. So you just take that attention and kind of kind of shift it. It's almost like taking a, you know, there's a, let's say there's a little stream you kind of redirect that stream towards a, towards a, a different end, you know, so you put a few rocks in it and, you know, kind of divert it. It doesn't take that much effort. So, um, you know, that's the, that's, that's one of the, one of the things is taking this concentration that you're already doing and sort of diverting it to things that are more constructive. And, and like I said, one of the ways of doing that is through these Im- images or symbols through affirmations, affirmations can help as well, but symbols are a super powerful way to, to get to the unconscious, because as I said, you know, that's how the unconscious speaks. Think about a dream. It speaks to you in dream language and dream symbolism. And, you know, it oftentimes doesn't seem to make any sense until you really work with those images, right? You know, you have some crazy dream and you're like, what the heck does this mean? Uh, But then, you know, you write it down and you work with it and you're like, okay, this is a part of myself. And this is something that I'm not seeing about myself and something I need to adjust. And, you know what I mean? So it over time it, it takes on it takes on meaning, doesn't it? Well, and you can't make a literal uh, well, yeah, interpretation exactly. or translation of, of a lot of these symbolic. Well, they're things. mysterious, right? Uh, yes, and it's what they point to. It's it's what they're like. Uh, it's what they remind you of, or what they conjure mm-hmm. up, um, and how they kind of fit together. Uh, but I like what you're saying about a, a point of concentration because, you know, I guess if you're going to, and there's a reason why this, um, usually the magician card is almost the, gen, this one from the right away deck, it's almost the ubiquitous or generic 
uh, this is what a tarot card yeah. is, or yeah. somebody says tarot, or it's on the cover of the oh, yeah. deck uh, box or sure. something, uh, because it embodies all four of the, the lower arcana um, cards. And, uh, and it really sums up a lot of things, you know, put yourself in the, the magician's shoes and, um, and then let these images uh, move through you. And like you're saying about directing your life and the things uh, around you and within you, those tools as well. Uh, in this card, you, you see all these tools lying on the table. Um, it's, he's not brandishing them. He's not drinking out of the cup. He's not wielding the sword or throwing the pentacle or anything. He's really focused between heaven yeah. and earth um, with the arm motions. And these are laid out in front of him. Uh, so to me, again, there's infinite interpretations and very deeply personal ones, which I would recommend anybody and everybody do. Yes, listen to us, read a book, um, read the booklet that comes with your deck. Um, but really, you're the magician. And what does it mean to you? Yeah, yeah And yeah, sure. one of the things it brings up to me is that he's using um, this knowledge and there's the white purity and there's desire and there's reaching, you know, the wand, uh, the magic wand, I guess, not the wand of the club's wand, but the, the one in his mm -hmm. uh, hand and, and down towards the, uh, the earth. And that's really a good place to begin. Yeah. It's, it's centered. It's balanced. Um, it's of the earth earthy and it's of the heaven spirit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you're in between. And that's a great place to start before you start tinkering with these tools. The cup and the sword and the wand and the pentacle. Uh, to And even so that's sometimes what I do. If I look mm -hmm. at this card, I go, wait a minute. Before I start <laughs> tinkering, let me, uh, let me make sure I'm centered. Where am I? Am I in this place? Yeah. Am I balanced am i using heaven and earth am i really kind of out of my ego uh, yeah. sense of you know what happened yeah, to me yeah, this yeah. morning or what i'm worried about tomorrow and, and things like that no i'm in this place and the white uh you know for purification that's a good way to kind of clean the slate yeah. so my mind and my emotions i'm not bringing this turmoil if i have it that's um, that's a great point even if i'm not aware yeah. of it so there's kind of a cleansing and that's with um with alchemy, that's one of the first things, you know, you do. It's it, you know, the alchemist will clean the slate, you know, you'll, you'll clear the, the palate. So to yeah, speak. look at how he's uh, doing it before you start look doing, something. doing it too. It, I think that's a great point you bring up that there's two wands. He's holding one wand and then there's a wand on the table for the, you know, the sort of uh, field of attention or the sort of material world existence. Right. Uh, the one that's, you know, that he's holding in his hand is pointing up to heaven and it's, you know, I think what it's saying is, you know, manifest the higher, you know, manifest the, the higher sort of purposes down into this and make sure you're sort of clearing away to be that transparent energy so that spirit can flow through you so that the, you know, the manifestations and the work that you do magically or meditationally speaking or, you know, in your life, uh, you know, in your business or whatever, whatever you're trying to kind of manifest, create, do, be whatever is actually done, you know, with a, with a, with a higher self in mind. So it's not just your, your ego and your desires and, you know, you but you're thinking about for the higher good by the higher good, you know, we're talking about something bigger than ourselves, right. That we're doing something for the earth, for other people, for, 
you know, the greater spiritual good in, in general, what have you, right? And you're becoming a conduit or a channel for that before you do, you know, your magical work or your operations or your manifestations in your life so that you can clear that space to, to make sure that you're manifesting the right things. Because that, you know, like I said, another meaning of this letter bet is life and death. And it's indicating the fact that, you know, what you manifest and what you, you know, it's what you talk about, what you think about, what you create, what you concentrate on can either bring life or death. I mean, that's one of the things about being a human being that we have a great amount of power. And just think about some of the things we've created, the massive amounts of destructive, you know, weapons that we've created. And then the vast amount of beautiful, you know, spiritual, artistic, um, you know, uplifting endeavors that we've created as well. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's, it can be a mixed bag. So unless you try to connect to that higher part of yourself and that, that transpersonal higher energy, that God energy, spirit energy, uh, you know, you're not maybe moving in the right direction if you're, you know, based out of the, the, the ego, and I think that's an indication. That was a great, great point you made. And the fact that there's, there's two, two wands in, on most of these, these um, magician um, cards in most of these decks, you know, I think is a, is a pretty clear indication that, you know, you've got to, even on the Toth deck, it's like that, except his wand as he's on is, is, is like coming up through his spine. He's literally on the wand itself, um, which is interesting. But then there's a free floating wand out there as well. Uh, in the back in the in the background so you know most of these decks do have that symbolism they're saying that you know connect connect the higher and the lower before you start messing around in the in the world of manifestation and the world of works in essence would you would you agree with that absolutely nice oh, thank you thank you thank you sir i appreciate that yeah. <laughs> so uh let me think i think that may be about it we might um call it a, a one one thing oh, I might uh, yeah. add with well, you talked about the the red roses there, and you did mention initially that there are the white lilies. Yeah, yeah, we didn't um, talk about. Pretty those. sure they're lilies. Yeah, they are they lilies. Very much that look like look You're like right. that. And um, there is a uh, a biblical um, from the New Testament. It's in Luke, and I I think it's in uh, uh, one of the other ones um, too, and. It goes, uh, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, so to unpack that a little bit, um, the context is he's talking with the disciples about um, how we have what we need and we shouldn't really worry too much about tomorrow or how we're going to get fed or clothed or things like that. He makes uh, an earlier comment about a raven who always has enough to eat, doesn't have to store things up, uh, and that the, these lilies, just as they are, are more beautiful than what, you know, covering the ground, are more beautiful than Solomon, being uh, relating to, you know, the rich king, you know, that has everything. Um, you know, it could adorn himself with any kind of, you know, bejeweled garment or something yeah. like that. And we also use that term, uh, gild a lily. Like there's, there's no point in gold plating something that's already perfect as it is, but there's sort of an effortlessness to it as well. Uh, they toil not, they spin not. And spin means like a spinning wheel to make thread, to make a garment. Cause that's the analogy, um, that, uh, you know, is being used. And, uh, so maybe that's something also to think about too, that, 
you know, nature grows these things, that there is, you know, it's bringing in this natural growth and development and unfoldment uh, energy and capacity uh, as well, instead of like brute forcing, trying to change and rest and wrestle with something. Uh, and sometimes you do need to do that. It takes a strong hand. Uh, but there is this effortless that it's growing uh, naturally without toil. Or wow, sweat. fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for adding that. The other, the other thing that's interesting about that, Lily, is it's six-sided. And so if you look at it on its if you look at it sort of on the top, it looks like it's sort of two interlocking triangles. Like it's like almost like a star David and, and it's a representative yeah. form of, uh, of that sort of the higher and lower meeting together as well, you know, fire or fire and, uh, fire and water coming together, uh, that meeting point between the, between those two natures and so on. So, uh, you know, that again is a, is another sort of representative of, of, um, of the idea of, uh, sort of the infinite within us, you know, the infinite in the material, uh, in the material existence. And so, um, that I think is kind of the greatest thing of, you know, of all to take away from this card is what we said earlier. And you really brought this up first was, uh, the idea that we are the magician, you know, this card is a part of ourselves. It's the fundamental part, part, part of ourselves, really, you know, it's pointing at our, our individuality, but also it's reliance on the transpersonal on the spiritual world, um, and keeping that in mind and, 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 you know, focusing that down and having having faith that that stuff is unfolding in your life uh, as it should, uh, like you just spoke about, you know, and not worrying so much about it. So, yeah, you, if you want to manifest something or you, you, you have certain needs or you need a healing or you, you need some some financial help or so on, you know, you ask for those things and manifest them and intend them uh, and then let go of the result. You know, allow it to unfold and know that there is a higher source that 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 is behind all of this. You know, and have faith. That's part of the, the idea of having faith, right? Uh, so, and realizing also that, you know, within yourself, you know, another, uh, just real quick aside, but, the, you know, the rose also is a symbol of that Christ consciousness, um, that consciousness within that Jesus talked about. I and the Father are one. And so, you know, the idea of the Rosicrucian, the Rose Cross, uh, that's, that's another thing. So that's that spirit within that, that, that transpersonal God spirit that that's within all of us and within everything, um, you know, within that house, that letter bet, that house inside of that house is that spirit. And that's where we live. Uh, so, and there's a completeness yeah. to it that, you know, everything is that you would ever need that the magician would ever need is there. The tools are on the table have yeah. above earth below it's all there uh, the flowers though yeah so it's a reminder too that uh as we go about uh our own magic selves uh being a magician in our own lives um that we have a that it's everything's there we have what we yep. need now we need to do it yourself though i mean partially diy we have to there are things we have mm -hmm. to do um but it's there's no notion of lack or that if I only had this, I could become mm -hmm. that. Same thing with alchemy. It's, it's transmutation. It's transformation. The gold is within the yep. lead. It's a, that's what the alchemical process does. Is it draws it out. It refines it. It does away with some things and uh, burns and twists and turns, you know, all the operations yeah. that an alchemist would do. Or the steps that a, a magician might uh, take and make to uh, conjure up something or make magic happen. Uh, but it, it's from a starting point of completeness. And I think that's 
something that throws a lot of us sometimes is, you know, there's this lack or this feeling of incompleteness that I don't have yeah. enough or I'm not enough. Or if I only had this, well, then I could do yeah. that. It's a reminder that even if it might not be in front of you visibly or it may not show up as numbers in your bank account the way you'd prefer, um, you, the capacity to do that, to make that, to have that work in your life is within you. And, you know, you will use earth forces and spirit forces, um, but, but those are within you, too. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, we we have that exactly. Um, there's nothing lacking in this uh, magician. No, that's card. that is that is very very important to to get your head around and and a, and a very succinctly and well put uh, statement. Um, one last thing, just to think about it, so it popped into my head as you were saying that uh, Wayne Dyer, may he rest in peace, uh, used to say, uh, "You already are all that you need." You already are all that you need. And, you know, so, so often we go around thinking, if I just do this, if I can just fix that, if I can just, you know, have this in my life or that in my life or fix this bad habit, you know, then I'll be happy or then I'll be joyful or then I can manifest the life that I want. But you already are all that you need. You know, and the magician is really saying that. He's saying, look, your, your heaven is on here, here on earth, but it's also, or excuse me, your home is here on earth. But it's also in heaven and it's also in the you know, sort of underworld or, you know, unconscious world at the same time from which all of this, you know, springs. And it's all an interrelated reality. You know, it's all an interrelated reality. And we're that sort of magician in, in between uh, those, those, you know, the upper and the lower uh, that is able to navigate through, uh, navigate through this. And that's our unique human life. So keep that in mind. Meditate on this card. I actually did... Uh, years ago, I think about 10 years ago, I think it's still up on YouTube. Uh, I did a tarot meditation video, uh, which, which is pretty, pretty helpful. Uh, if you want to meditate on these cards, that is actually uh, the next book I'm working on as well. Um, but you know, in the meantime, uh, do check out this video. I'll put a, I'll put a link up and, uh, in the anchor description for that. Um, you know, so you can use this, you can use these cards to meditate on. They're really, really, uh, a valuable tool. Like I said, like a mandala that you can use, uh, any parting words, your last parting words are great, but, uh, any, anything else that popped into your mind? Uh, just, uh, be, be, be the magician and make magic happen in your life. You're connected to large forces. Uh, you're more powerful, more knowledgeable, uh, then you know, you know more than you know that you know or think that you know. And, and let these forces and these archetypal images uh, or mythological tales or whatever you're connecting with, let them work through you. If you're connected to them, if you are attracted to them, there are hundreds of tarot decks. Yeah. There are people are making new ones all yeah. the time, modern, some that have technological mm -hmm. symbols yeah. in them. And a lot of them are actually made by people like you and I, I mean, they've, or that have, you know, maybe studied this more than I have, um, but they're, they're kind of homemade or uh, individually um, constructed. So uh, search Etsy yeah. or yeah, for you sure. know, wherever you can find tarot cards uh, and new ones are being made all the time that um, have different kinds of imagery and they can all work and they can all work in the same yeah. way, but one person might like this yeah, deck exactly. and one person might like that deck and you know, or get a couple I would and, say and, and that's work a fantastic idea. Go with what re resonates with you. Also, 
it's good to um to maybe use a, a basic starter type deck like that like that you know rider weight deck or the bota deck because that standardized imagery kind of gives you a sort of place to start from and then you can see how people have developed out different decks because that's kind of the the you know they're kind of in a way the gold standard it was the first really widely accepted sort of esoteric style deck it's not a completely esoteric deck i mean it's it has some hidden things in it and so on but it has the basics and it was the first one that did that you know uh, in, in the early 1900s. So, uh, a lot of the modern decks at least, you know, take a lot of their, their sort of, um, you know, initial ideas from, from that deck. So it's nice to have that as a, as a reference, like an encyclopedia or something, you can go back and look and see how it compares with that Rider Waite or that BOTA deck, which is very similar, uh, you know, or that, uh, Marseille, Marseille deck, Marseille, excuse me, I always pronounce that incorrectly. Marseille. Uh, so, so those are those are some ideas. Uh, check out uh, Paul Foster Case's The Tarot. That's an excellent book. Uh, Meditations on the Tarot, which is by an anonymous author. Um, a Journey into Christian Hermeticism is a fantastic book. Uh, Manly Hall's work in uh, in the Secret Teachings on the Tarot is really great. Uh, he has that little pamphlet on Tarot as well. Is that just called The Tarot, or what is what is the name of that one? It's it's called the tarot, tarot. Manly Hall. Yeah, and he the imagery is his, is, is his uh, Nap Hall deck, deck, and that's a, that is a fantastic deck. I used. love that deck. I just they did a reprint of it fairly recently, and uh, we both got copies of that. You have one of the old ones though, don't you? One of the original ones. Um, no, but seen I've them seen them and held them. They're yeah, they're pretty uh, pretty interesting. They're very hard yeah. to find from uh, 1929. Cool. Now there was a, a reprint in the 80s early 80s uh, by U.S. Games, I think, was the company that put it out. Those are actually hard to find. But the latest, uh, it was yeah, a the latest one is, is, up on, is up on Amazon, though, and it's Amazon Prime, isn't it? You can get it's it. It's like $35. It's actually a pretty reasonable price yeah. for, a, for a tarot deck. It's not too bad. And that's, and it, but it used to be super hard to find. And it, was, it was like you know, several hundred dollars if you could even find one. So it's nice that they have that mm-hmm. available now. So those are all some, some sources, and there are obviously many others. Uh, too many to get into, but we're going to continue to cover the tarot intermittently as we're, as we're speaking. And, you know, this one of course was on the magician and, you know, let us know what you think. If you like these, uh, these tarot episodes, we'd like to hear back from you or or different ideas that you have for shows that you'd like to uh, hear us uh, do, you know, topics that you'd like to investigate with us. Uh, Let us know, please. Uh, Thank you for your support. Again, uh, I'm Jason Napolitano. My book is, if you can worry, you can meditate and you are who? Chris Sheridan, and my book is The Spirit in the Sky. It's a memoir about a spiritual experience I had uh, in a plane crash in between the time I called Mayday on the radio. Yes, I was a pilot, and when I crunched down on the ground. Fantastic. So, and that is. So there's that. So there's that. And that is available <laughs> yeah. on your website, and uh, you have a link to uh, you have a link to Amazon through there, chrissheridan.com. Uh, you can find mine on co- uh, cosmiceye.org. And actually, again, I need to. Remember to do this. I need to put your book up on Cosmic Eye. A link to that, um, and so you can support us at Anchor.fm/slash Cosmic Eye. And please, uh, if you like the show, tell your friends about us. Uh, put us up on social media. Share. Uh, you know, do whatever you can to help us get the uh, the word out about the the ancient wisdom, the esoteric subjects, psychology, etc. You know, we're trying to make uh, the world a, a little better place in our small way. And if you can help us, we would greatly appreciate it because we know you care about this stuff as we do, or you would not be listening. So, uh, you know, 
the uh, spirits have seen fit to to put us together. So let's work together and try to try to get some of this great stuff out there. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back uh, again next week. Uh, we're here every uh, we have a new episode every Monday. We record these on Sunday um, and we appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot. Have a great week and God bless.